0: Just before Andy comes and uh, speaks to us, we're going to read from the book of Acts, the book of Acts chapter one. So this is uh, Luke's sequel to his gospel. Acts chapter one, we'll be looking at the first 11 verses, and this is the part where Jesus is taken up into heaven. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion.
1: Okay, thank you. Good morning, and uh, Happy New Year, as, uh, I have to say that, um, uh, particularly. But uh, it's, uh, it's one of these things that we say, and um, we have got no idea what 2018 is gonna have in store for us uh, in any kind of way. Uh, it's our, our hope that it's a Happy New Year, it's a, it's a prayer that it's a Happy New Year. Um, and hopefully it will be, but no doubt, there'll be times that are good this year, there'll be times that are hard this year, um, and maybe even just seven days in, you're already thinking I'm worn out. I'm, you know, 2018's already taken its toll uh, on me, and uh, there are challenges in, in your life or around you um, as we go uh, into 2018. Uh, Which is why we have one another, so that we can encourage one another, we can support one another, we can bear one another's burdens, uh, whatever they are. And um, a a couple of years ago, um, I had the opportunity to go with uh, Andy Worthington to um, uh, Lebanon um, with an Open Doors trip. Um, And we went right up to the the border with Syria, uh, where the refugees were coming out, uh, literally millions uh, of uh, Syrians coming into Lebanon uh, and setting up camps. And Open Doors were there helping, and the churches were doing some amazing things uh, around the place as people fled from Aleppo and the horrendous things that were happening as that town and that city and that country was being devastated uh, through that. And and we met some of the the, the refugees and heard some of their stories um, as they went. And many of the stories were of, of Christians Uh, who were being persecuted uh, in that situation um, and yet uh, had proved God's love and God's power in overcoming the darkness and the challenges um, that they had faced and the amazing opportunities that they'd had uh, through uh, uh, ministering to people in the camps uh, and around and there was one Christian couple uh, who had a young kid and uh, she was also expecting another, they were expecting their second, and they were going back into Syria, back into Aleppo. They so loved the country and so wanted to minister to it, they were going back in there to, uh, while everyone was coming out, they were going back in to help people and uh, despite the, the challenges that there were there. In fact, at the end of their street, um, there was a washing line uh, with some bedclothes over it, um, just some sheets to mark where the snipers were. Um, and that was how close they were to, to the, the kind of the official war zone uh, and if you entered into there you were shot and they go back in, uh, amazing uh, couple that they were. And uh, we can listen to the stories, or if we listen to the stories uh, of the persecuted, then we can gain strength uh, in the challenges that we face, the the dark days that we might have, um, because these are people who have learnt it um, the hard way um, and they've seen the the loving face of God, um, and maybe we can see that and we can uh, help others to do so um, as they face their challenges as well. Uh, Ron Boyd McMillan uh, from Open Doors uh, tells the story uh, when he was a student at college of, of a guy who came Preacher who came with a really big, heavy Bible uh, in his hand, and uh, he he came there and he said, "Uh, "I've been through this book and I've cut out all of the um, all the bits to do with the poor in there." Um, And he said, and then he opened his Bible and he kind of shook it uh, like this, and you can imagine the whole thing kind of fell apart in tatters, and. he said this is the Western Bible we've cut out all the references to the poor and therefore we no longer have a Bible that works and in many ways we've done that with suffering we've uh, um, you know we've taken some of the verses uh, out of the Bible that we, we struggle with uh, to do with suffering to do with persecution um, and, uh, and we find similarly that we have a Bible that maybe doesn't work quite in the same way and uh, if we do that it You know, the the truth is that life does go dark um, for everyone at some point in our life. Life wears us down somewhere along the line. And uh, that's when we need God the most. That's when we struggle uh, with God the most uh, in many ways. Um, but that's when we can listen to the stories of the persecuted uh, the most, because their testimony is in the midst of trial that they have found God to be faithful, they've found him to be powerful, they've found him to be meaningful, and uh, and they've found strength uh, in those dark, dark, dark times. So that's what this series is all about, Dangerous dangerous Faith, and um, there's a flyer in Outlook um, with uh, the details of that, um, so that you know what's coming up, and so we can encourage people to come and find out about this faith that we've been uh, that we talk about that we live and that we 've been praying about this morning, letting the persecuted using their stories to help us put our Bible back together again, so that we have a book that works both in the in the good times but also in the harder times um, of life as well, and ultimately we discover that God is bigger, that God is uh, more challenging, that God is more dangerous, um, that he is more extraordinary than ever we imagined, and perhaps also that we live a life that is, is uh, more dangerous um, as well uh, in a godly way, in a, in a practical uh, way as we live our radical faith uh, in the places where we live and work and, and uh, find ourselves. And I'm always struck by that story of uh, uh, in the, the Finding Nemo, you know, the film of the little fish, And uh, there's that moment in the film where he's in the aquarium with all the other fish. It doesn't take him long to realize that's not where he wants to be. He wants to be back out in the ocean with all the dangers of the ocean and the sharks and the whales and all the rest of it, rather than the safety uh, of the aquarium. Um, And so it is in our lives. We wanna be people who are out there adventuring uh, in life and in faith. And There's a guy who has run a Christian bookshop in in Gaza. And uh, one day his uh, bookshop was bombed And he was asked about it. And his response to it was, it was a beautiful bomb. And uh, everyone went, how bizarre is that? How can a bomb be beautiful? What do you mean? And he said, well, they wouldn't be bombing us if we weren't making a difference. And uh, so he saw that the challenge that had come his way as actually this is because we are building God's kingdom here through the the Christian literature um, that was being put out across Gaza through his little bookshop. And uh, the persecuted always seem to manage to find that song of joy in the valley of suffering. They always seem to find a different perspective uh, on life to many um, uh, the ways that, they, that we look at things. And when you think about the Bible, it's been pointed out to me that actually it is a, it's a book of um, persecution literature. It's a book that was written by people who were generally being persecuted to help people who were struggling in in communities that were being persecuted to strengthen them um, in, in, in many ways. And the uh, huge swathes of this would fit into that category uh, of, of, of writing. And therefore it's important that we listen to the persecuted church of today to help us to, to read uh, this book because they're the people probably closest uh, to the original community that both read it and also wrote it um, in the first place. And you don't have to read much of the Bible to realize there's a lot of suffering in here. Even at the first few pages of the Bible, um, there's murder, there's rape, there's family um, killings, there's genocide. Um, you don't have to get very far into it to realize it's a, it's a dark world um, that's gone, gone haywire at um, a very, very early stage. And um, suffering and persecution Um, is there, and persecution is a form of suffering, perhaps an intense form uh, of suffering, but nevertheless um, an important part of of what is in the Bible. And even in the Old Testament, it's about an old uh, minority group of people, the people of God, the Jewish people, who are living in a community surrounded by enemies who want to harm them. Um, and uh, they struggle with that, and yet remarkably they still bring God's light to the nations. And then we come to the gospels and we see Jesus who's literally persecuted onto a cross, uh, gives his life and yet uh, through his death and resurrection offers salvation to everyone. The best news that has ever happened through that. The epistles uh, are generally about an, an underground church Um, and even Paul himself who who writes many of of the epistles and much of the the kind of New Testament there he writes most of it from jail Um, and yet even in jail you know the word spreads to the ends of the earth uh, in a remarkable way and uh, at the very end of the Bible we have this crescendo with this uh, quite big heavy kind of symbolic book of Revelation written by John again in exile you know sent off in isolation to an island because of his faith. And uh, he writes about how to keep believing in God's eternal kingdom, um, even though this, this character, the beast, seems to be winning uh, all the way and uh, strengthening people's faith. And it ends, the Bay of Bible really ends there with the, the blood of the martyrs um, and how through that, that God builds this eternal kingdom, this amazing, unstoppable kingdom that despite everything in the world coming against it, it still prevails in a remarkable way. So persecution is central to the book. Um, And uh, so we we have to take it and suffering seriously. Uh, Otherwise, we may not have a book that works properly in our lives. In fact, we may not have a God who is strong enough in our minds to help us when things do get difficult in our lives. So if the people who have suffered can see the face of God in the midst of their suffering, then it shows us that God is there in the suffering. It shows us that God is with us in the suffering. It shows us that God still loves us when things seem to be going against us. It reveals his compassion in a completely new way. And uh, so we need the persecuted to help us put our Bible back together again. Um, and uh, we, we worked through as a, a life group, our own life group worked through um, some of this material dangerous faith from open doors. And we just found it inspiring um, in so many ways. It, um, it's, uh, it's equipping um, us in have a different, a fresh perspective on life, um, and also how to, to be witnesses in the world and even through the challenges that we, that we have. Um, and so these discussion guides are available for every group leader, uh, community group, small group, life group, Um, triplets, whatever, Um, so if you want to pick one of those up today, then I'd commend it to you, and there's some short videos that you can use with them um, as well, which we'll upload each week uh, onto the websites. But we start today with this bizarre beginning uh, in Acts chapter 1 that Marcus read to us, where Jesus um, ascends into heaven. He effectively disappears. He just vanishes into thin air, and uh, and they they just stood there looking up, wondering where has he gone? What on earth has happened? You know, and you can think about it and think: well, Is it a good idea, okay, to have just given these these few people the hardest task on the planet to go and reach the whole world, both you know, locally, regionally, and globally, everywhere, and then you vanish? And uh, they must have been thinking. A little bit put out. A little bit like you've just landed us with an impossible task, and now you've gone. What on earth are you thinking about? And uh, and so we have this key verse, and a cloud hid him from their sight. Totally alone with a world to win. Feeling completely deserted in this task, and yet, it's somehow, it's something of God's design. It's Jesus' way of saying, if I stick around, you won't go off and do it, okay? You just want me to do it all, okay? But actually, as far as me physically, visibly being here, you've got to do this by faith. You've got to step out. I will be with you, but not in the way that I have been, okay? You've got to step out. You've got to go and do the impossible, um, and, and there'll be times when you can't quite see where I am or how I am in it. I'm hid from your sight, but where to go. And so Ron tells a story of a Christian lady in China which really kind of illustrates this quite well. And uh, they called her Auntie Mabel, I don't know if it was her nickname or her code name uh, with, with open doors. She was a doctor in Beijing, and she was very well known for her witness uh, in the community. She didn't hold back; um, she taught freely uh, about her faith when, she, when and where she could. But when the communists came to power in 1949 and uh, Mao uh, came into power, everything changed for her. She was uh, evicted from her house, and she was forced to live in her shed um, round the back, I think, or somewhere down the side, because she was well known for uh, being a Christian. And so she was targeted, she was stripped of a doctor's post, um, she was forced to, into a work gang where she shoveled sand. Um, and then when the Cultural Revolution got going, the, the young red guards um, who were given power, um, were given power over her and they would, they would come and they would beat her up um, and they would parade her in the streets um, and then eventually they, they put a, a large sign outside of her house that listed um, all the things, basically saying nobody should speak to this woman. It was a bit like going to the zoo and it says, do not feed the animals, yeah? And she had one of these outside of her hut or house that said, do not speak to this woman. Um, and so she, was, she found that incredibly difficult. Um, and the reason was because she distributed Bibles um, and that was now not allowed. Um, under Mao's uh, regime. Um, She was shunned um, and in fact, nobody uh, would talk to her at all. And she said, I found that harder than the beatings. I find the isolation, the social isolation harder than if I'd been put in jail and at least had somebody that I could have spoken to. She said, for me, it felt like descending into hell. There was just a darkness about that. And so one night she comes back and she goes into a little kitchen and uh, she says, I've had enough of this. You know, I'm an old lady, I've lived a good life, I'm worn out, I cannot do this anymore, God. Um, surely you won't mind me coming to heaven a little bit early. And so she took out a knife in all seriousness and she held it above her wrists and she was about, about to do something with that and she had prayed one last prayer and her prayer was, if this is wrong, then help me, help me. And she says, I never brought that knife down She said, I put it away, I burst into tears, and somehow, I don't know how, but I carried on for another eight years of victimization and beatings and isolation. She said, no angel appeared to me to take the knife out of my hand. She said, but somehow God gave me the strength to go on, and I never quite know how. But all of the time, I was asking Jesus, to make an appearance to me. Come to me, put your arms around me. Why must you be so invisible to me despite what she's going through, she cried. And then many, later, many years later, she comes to the point of beginning to realize or understanding a little bit of perhaps what was going on. Because in the late 70s, uh, after Mao has died, China began putting some of the excesses behind it. Um, the Red Guards were disbanded. Um, but Mabel wasn't restored to her house. She was still left in a shed. But something began to change and she found there was a steady flow of people coming to her little house. Many of them were high ranking communist officials, members of the party. And uh, she recognized their faces from the newspapers. And even more astonishingly, they were coming and asking her one question. Do you have any Bibles? Do you have any Bibles? And she was saying, why are you coming to me? Out of all of the people in Beijing, why are you coming to me? And they said, well, we remember during the Cultural Revolution, there was this large sign outside of your house and it listed all of the crimes that you were supposedly committing. And one of them said that you were guilty of distributing Bibles. So I've just come quietly on the off chance that you might have one. You might have some left. And so that sign that caused her these years of anguish, of isolation, of misery, of complete hardship, ended up launching her ministry. It kept people away before, but now, because she had endured, it drew them to her. And uh, so she contacted Open Doors, who obligingly smuggled Bibles uh, to her, and she became the, the first distributor of Bibles Uh, in China's capital back in Beijing, uh, vital supplier. And even today, there are high-ranking officials in the Communist Party who owe their faith to what she did and what she endured, which was hard. And she says that. She says, it's really nice to know why and what was going on here. She said, but it doesn't make it easier. Okay, it was hard. She said, every day was hard. And I never got the prayer answered Please appear to me. You know, the cloud hid him from their sight. But she says, I see that it was for the best ultimately because she says, if Jesus had appeared to me and come to me, then maybe I would never have actually done what I had done. I wouldn't have done it. I'd have just sort of handed it all over for him to do it. But actually he risks it. He risks it. He takes that risk with us and says, no, I want you to do the impossible. I will be with you by faith but I want you to step out and do the impossible. I am not physically there, I am not visibly there, but you are to make a difference in the place where I've put you. And, um, and so she says, I, he gave me the space to do the impossible through his power, okay? And she says, that's not desertion, that's, that's generosity, okay? You will receive power is generosity after I've gone up to heaven. Which is what he said to the disciples. So the cloud that hides him from their sight isn't isn't desertion. Okay, when we feel that we are isolated, it isn't desertion. It's something of God's design in a remarkable sovereign way that He wants to work through us and wants us to step out. I will send the Spirit, and we will do things things together through each one of you in a new and beautiful way. So we become partners. We become co-workers. Uh, we become His ambassadors. Um, on his behalf where we find ourselves. And so Jesus ascends to give us the space to do the impossible um, for him and through him. And that means there will be space to get it wrong. There'll be space to fail, there'll be space to uh, struggle. There'll be space to be unsure about things, to have doubts. Um, And as you read through the book of Acts, these characters are full of doubts and disagreements and struggles. You know, in Acts 15, you've got the, the, the Jewish church trying to work out what to do with the Gentile church. Should we let them in, should we not let them in? And so they have a debate and they talk about it and they work it out in their own way. And, uh, and God allows them to figure it out. So in Paul has his disagreement with Barnabas. If Jesus had been physically there, no doubt he just said, no, you do this, you do that. But he's not, they've got to work it out. And they struggle through uh, how to do that. And what is the will of God in this situation? And he leaves us with this responsibility. So even in our, our failures, even in our difficulties, even in our struggles, somehow it's something of God's design um, to work through us because he wants the gospel to spread as a result of us working out how to do it, um, just like Mabel does. And so that, that sign that is outside of her house that seemed like just a, you know, a list of humiliation for the community, um, to shame her and all the rest of it. And in fact, becomes the biggest advertising board for the community. Advertising where to get hope, okay? What the kingdom of God can do um, through uh, this. And so because she endures, because she goes through what she goes through, in the power of Jesus, it becomes that incredible launch pad for her ministry. And, you know, a woman in her 80s, remarkable. Um, what she's done uh, as a result and what that has done. And we think about what China is like today. You know, the remarkable stories that come out of China of the the vast uh, growth of the church, where people are hungry for the word of God and just find it with just great joy. What an opportunity that has come uh, because of that. So in our own lives, it is looking at sometimes the struggles, sometimes the challenges and trusting that God is with us and that he can do some remarkable things uh, through us. And even this year as we step out into 2018, is what are the impossible things that God can do in and through us wherever we find ourselves uh, together? Let's pray together. And um, I'm invite the band to come back up. You may be here this morning and you're struggling with Jesus being hidden by a cloud. You're thinking, where is, where is God in my life? Where, where is God in this challenge? Challenge with your family, challenge with work, challenge with your health, whatever it might be. Maybe life is hard for you every single day. Or you know, Maybe life wears you down and it is not such a happy new year. The truth is though, even though invisible, God is with you. He does love you deeply. He does and will give you the power and the strength to endure. He does have a plan and a purpose through all of your struggles. And that plan and purpose will bring God's light to others. And this morning you may just simply wanna just come afresh before God and ask and receive his strength. Lord, I need your strength afresh today to continue. Your strength to go on, to go on praying for someone who's far from Christ. To go on sharing your faith. To go on learning through the mistakes we make. To go on picking ourselves up again. Lord, give me your strength today. And here's a prayer we can probably all pray, many of us. Lord God, here and now we give you the space to do the impossible in our lives this year. We remember your resurrection came only a few days after which it seemed that everything had gone wrong. And yet everything has come right. Lord, we pray you use our failures, you use even our doubts to reveal your presence and your power. In Jesus' name we pray.